0: This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, Susan had us watch Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary. And after watching it, I only had one question. What's a documentary? <laughs>
1: And welcome to episode 21. Is that correct? 21? Yep. Of Honey, You Should Watch This, a podcast where a husband and a wife with differing tastes in movies introduce each other to genres or movies we didn't imagine we'd ever want to watch or maybe still don't want to watch. Who knows? Um, And uh, learns to appreciate each other's tastes. So welcome back. Um, And we are... Way into a month of being well, I'm way into over a month of being homebound. You you just joined the fray a couple weeks ago,
0: Greg. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like cousin it sitting here. Cousin, because your hair—it's
1: <laughs> really not as long as you think it's, it is. It's brutal. It's so brutal. <laughs> it's going to be so hard to get I mean, a hair appointment after the hair, this. <laughs> the hair on my back is so long now. I can't <laughs> stand it. <laughs> <laughs> uh i i have been in the house for three days straight um usually at the, at the end of the day I'll, I'll try to go out and and uh sit for at least a half hour an hour just to get some outside time and um i just have a friday saturday i didn't today i stepped outside just for a second to go like get the mail take out the trash and i was just like it burns it bur-, you know <laughs> well we're
0: at that time of year where we just had a really nice day here but we're at that time of year in florida when it it, it it's just, it's gross.
1: Yeah, we just had uh, a one, one, one reprieve day where we had, like, temperatures in the 60s and we are able to open windows, and um, it, it didn't feel so restricting to be working from home. But, um, yeah, a little crazy.
0: Yeah, little crazy. but that's all right, because you know what? We've got a podcast, so yay. We do. We, we have do. something to do.
1: The, the one thing that did tick me off is, you know, I was one of the things I do in, in the morning before I start work is kind of check things out and I go on LinkedIn. Um, and a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, you know, because it's like you're putting off you're you're putting forward your best professional self. Okay. On LinkedIn. A lot of people are like, well, if you haven't learned something new or started a new exercise routine when this is all over, you know, you never lack the time. You lack the discipline. And to that I say a mighty F you.
0: Oh I no, I would have said fuck you
1: yeah f you hard I mean
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry that you stay at home and you have all this free time, and I don't and whatever <laughs> yeah.
1: you know what I'm still working yo i mean and and I don't have the equipment here that I have at the gym, but i I guess well, I guess I need to start
0: we've we've learned how many people are medical geniuses from Facebook through this whole thing, so they might as well <laughs> they might as well tell us how they also have psychology and philosophy majors too, so.
1: Okay, so before I begin, I do have one corrections department from our dirty work episode, our last episode. Okay, um, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. We were—I was talking a little bit about um, the Suicide Squad. Um, uh, the director of Suicide Squad you know, talking about how his um, story arc for Harley Quinn never really panned out the way he wanted it to. Mm. And instead of saying Kathy Gan, who was the director of Birds of Prey, I called her Kathy Chan, which is a mistake. Um, but, but I understand why I made that mistake because I had been binge watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and one of the characters' last names is, is Chan. So, must have had that on the brain.
0: So, okay, forgive she, me. She's okay with it. She doesn't mind. She she doesn't listen to us, so there I guess go. she's okay yeah. with it. We, I, make, I we just, can make fun of whoever we want because they don't listen. I
1: did, no, I just cringe when I hear myself make, making mistakes because I'm like, Ugh. I do that with other people all the time because I'm like, oh, no, that's not that's I, not what that is. I wish I had that problem. I don't judge, but, you know. Oh, okay.
0: see, I don't make mistakes, but I do judge. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, you why judge all. that's why we're perfect for each other.
1: Looking your nose down on everybody.
0: Duh. Duh.
1: All right. So... We did our first documentary. This we, is we, be made, a, interesting. we made a documentary? No, we
0: watched oh. we, we watched
1: our first documentary for this podcast.
0: Yeah, I had I didn't know what a documentary was. That's not true. Sort Don't of. lie. It's sort of <laughs> it's sort of true. Oh, these glasses are killing me.
1: I know. Hold on a couple more days. My glasses
0: broke. In the middle of the apocalypse, if you want to know how to not survive an apocalypse, (laughs) don't let your glasses break.
1: That's why I hoard all my old glasses, even though they're not the right prescription, that if something like that did happen, at least I'd have like 15 pairs to throw into a backpack just in case. I had
0: the pair before these, but Jacob broke those, so... Jacob broke them. Yeah, we were in the van one day. He did something and they broke. So uh, It's not a big deal. Okay. So yeah, I'm struggling. But anyway, so I don't have. I have just readers on so that I can read, but I can't look across the room. So I'm having to wear them on the tip of my nose so that I can read my notes. <laughs> and yet, when I look up, you know, I'm, I'm I can at least see that the cat is comfortable. So, um, I was surprised that you picked this. Um, really? Why did you pick this?
1: Um, I well, I always I like documentaries. I really do. Um, And I used to every Sunday morning for uh, throughout probably 2018, maybe a little bit into 2019, but I kind of stopped after a while. It was get up in the morning because you like to sleep in on Sunday mornings.
2: Uh Um,
1: I do not have that luxury because I have two furry beasts that are demanding to be fed and they come to me and not you. Um, So I get up, make a cup of coffee and um, find myself a documentary to watch. So and i i loved it it was a great way to start kind of start off the week a little different perspective on things so um i figured we'd add a documentary into this so okay. when i was looking around to see what was available you know for free on either our amazon prime or netflix and all that stuff i came across this one and knowing how much you like galaxy quest i thought this might be a good uh, good fit
0: yeah galaxy quest is legitimately one of my favorite movies uh, ever made there's just, just there's just something about that movie uh, even though and, and we'll get into it, what they wanted it to be is not what it ended up being mm-hmm. uh, yeah definitely uh, but it's just i mean what was that guy's name david mamet called it yeah. in that book he the called per- this he called this a perfect movie um okay i can i can't argue with him there's there was there was something that happened in it when we were watching it the other night cuz we we watched the documentary and then we watched the movie um after reading a couple of things online, I kinda wished that we would have watched the we would have watched uh never mind. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say we'd have flipped that, but it wouldn't have mattered because I just found out this piece of trivia today. So um
1: You uh, wish that we'd watch Galaxy Quest first and then watch the documentary. Yeah,
0: but I recant I recant my statement. Okay. Um wow, I totally lost my train of thought. Um <laughs> That doesn't help. Sorry. <laughs> um, Probably
1: shouldn't do that. Copyright.
0: Okay, let, they, can, <laughs> they can come get us. They can take a hundred percent of the zero dollars we make. <laughs> um, uh, Where I, I honestly, I lost my train of thought. Okay. So, so it's it's I, I they they changed it from what they wanted it to be mm-hmm. and made it something different. And and when you watch it. Not knowing that you think that there's a couple of flubs. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know what I was saying. I'm sorry. There was one spot in it that I thought I remembered something happening, and I'm like, okay, that's a that's a screw up. There's there's like a a plot hole, but mm-hmm. it was like super minor. So for Mamet to have called it a perfect movie, I mean, I can see where he's coming from because there's there are so many things that this movie does right. It's it's a shame that it didn't. You know what? Uh, This movie falls into the category of John Carter from Mars. No, I haven't seen John Carter from Mars, and I want to see it. It's on my list to watch. Okay. That movie suffered because nobody knew what the hell it was. Disney, in one of their rare cases, completely dropped the ball on how they marketed something, and that's what happened with this movie. They did not market this movie properly. Mm -hmm. They were trying to make this a a G kids movie type thing.
1: Right, because this was one of DreamWorks. It's not one of DreamWorks' first. What? Go ahead.
0: It was one of their first. It was one of their first. They, they were making this at the same time they were making Gladiator.
1: And um, so this was supposed to be a little bit more of, because uh, obviously we're probably going to head into this bit of trivia anyway. One of the things is they had started off with Harold Ramis as the director for this. So yes. this was supposed to be a little bit more... Um, in the tone of the kind of comedies that he directed. So yes. a little bit more, I, w- I don't want to say adult, not R, but definitely hard PG-13 kind of no, this territory. Was, right? They were going to go for an R rating oh, were because go there, were some,
0: R. there were some pretty violent scenes in this okay. that ended up uh, getting cut out after the test audiences didn't really like it very much. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to go ahead and go with getting a PG rating. Right. Not a PG thirteen. They'd straight one. straight away wanted a PG.
1: Yeah, they um they were competing with the Rugrats movie, which came out that year.
0: Um Rugrats movie came out the year before. Oh, okay. And it was a monster. They said that's what I, never, I apparently didn't pay attention. No, no, that's all right. That's what they said. <laughs> no, no, that's a good point. I had forgotten about that point. Yeah. The studio the year before at Christmas time, the Rugrats movie had launched and it was a G movie. And it was huge. And it was a monster. Um and, I went to go see that. Really,
1: I, m- me and my best friend Jennifer, we took her niece to go see the Rugrats movie. Fair enough, because um, we like the, <laughs> the Rugrats, and we brought a child along. The Rugrats you know, fun. Excuse.
0: There's nothing wrong with yeah. liking the Rugrats. It was a fun cartoon. Yeah, we had a good day. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it 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 came out as a G, and G movies are not typically box office smashes mm-hmm. unless it's Disney. So they said, "Well, let's make it G," and then they. That's the market that they decided to go after, Sons, Harold Ramis, and, right. and the editing. So there's a couple of scenes. If you watch this not knowing that, you're like, wow, the overdubbing in this is really bad. Because, I mean, you can clearly say at the chomper scene, you can clearly see Sigourney Weaver say, fuck that. Right. And they overdub, screw that. Right. And there's a part at the beginning where um, Laredo... Uh, is very, the very beginning when they're first when he doesn't show up and they're like he's an hour and a half late and he shows up and he says man you are so full of it he actually says you're full of shit mm-hmm. but they edited the fuck and the shit out because you know you PG 13 you get one f bomb mm-hmm. so uh, the the changes if you don't know about those changes you're like man they did a really crappy job here if you can accept that. Mm-hmm. then yeah, I can see where he came from this being a perfect movie because everything on this movie was executed perfect- to perfection, in right. my opinion.
1: Right. Do you want me to just kind of do the brief... Yeah, um, you want. I kind of st- stole the summary from Rotten Tomatoes here yeah, good enough. just for lack
0: of time, but... First of all, if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest yet, what are you doing? <laughs> but but secondly, go ahead, dear.
1: Okay. So, um, never surrender a Galaxy Quest documentary. Um by all accounts, it was a movie that beat all odds. Surviving a set fire, the loss of a powerful director, and a studio that didn't understand what it had, Galaxy Quest turned into a pop culture phenomenon that would never give up, never surrender. As the cult classic nears its 20th anniversary, this was released last year in 1999. It had premiered on December 25th, uh, did I say 1999? 2019. You did it, 2019. Yep, 2019. It premiered in 2019 um galaxy quest premiered december 25th 1999 uh never surrender a galaxy quest documentary explores the science fiction comedy that became an endearing fan favorite uh, a movie that helped launch the sci-fi and fantasy driven movie and tv industry that dominates the global entertainment today uh, this documentary fills, uh, features film stars tim allen sigourney weaver justin long sam rockwell tony Shaloub, missy Pyle, rain wilson and daryl chill mitchell along with director Dean Parasat. I don't think I pronounced that correctly. I'm not sure. Uh, Okay. Uh, Writer Robert Gordon and a legion of celebrity fans um, sharing their reminiscence and appreciation for this beloved film. Uh, Among the celebrities who appear in Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary, are Will Wheaton, Brent Spiner, Oops, sorry, Greg Bert Lantani, Damon Lindoff, and more than a dozen notable filmmakers.
0: Paul shear is also in it.
1: Paul shear for a brief, brief, brief minute, of a second. Um,
0: no, he's in it for five or six times. Right,
1: uh, And more than a dozen other notable films maker, craft people, and entertainment industry observers who offer keen insight into the ways both big and small that, that Galaxy Quest has a lasting impact and developed a fan base that extends around the world.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: So the way we thank you, Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Yeah, thank you, Rotten Tomatoes. You did a you did a wonderful job for a change.
1: <laughs> I have to say, the poster art for this documentary is freaking amazing. Yes, it is. Um, if you guys have a chance to Google it, um, it is it's just really brilliantly a, a brilliant piece of art.
0: Well, I mean, it makes sense because it's a brilliant film. Mm-hmm. So. I mean uh so we should probably let's talk about the film for 10 or 15 minutes just the, you know things that it did well you know and then we can talk about the cuz if you don't okay, really bring this stuff up
1: Are we talking about Galaxy Quest first? Talking about Galaxy Quest first. All right. and then we'll just talk so about we're clear. the documentary.
0: Okay. So I mean this is clearly a Star Trek film that's not Star Trek and mm-hmm. it's acknowledged by Star Trek film fans uh that it is a Star Trek film. In fact in 2009 I think it was there was a Star Trek festival in california somewhere where everybody that went was allowed to vote on they ranked the star trek movies Mm -hmm. and this as a write-in was number seven people the fans wrote this in as the seventh best star trek film so when the fan base acknowledges it that i mean i'm sorry that's that's a success Right. right there right i am when i saw this movie the first time it was probably two or three years after it had come out I didn't, it wasn't just, wasn't at that period where I was watching a lot of movies, or for whatever reason, um, the people that are in this movie is mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Yeah.
1: People that I did not even realize were in the film until I saw them in the documentary and went, oh my God, that was her? That was him? Yeah. Right. So. Well,
0: this, even though I like this movie a lot, it's not a movie that's in, uh, like, rotation. Like, if mm-hmm. you know, things I'm going to watch when I'm sitting at the table. Rain Wilson. This was his theatrical debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually had a significantly larger part that they were going to give him, but he had already committed to being an almost famous, so he had to leave to go film that. Uh, Enrico Colatini. That, that's his name, right?
1: Yeah, from "Just Shoot from Me." From "Just
0: Shoot Me," who I think that's just about one of the only other things he's been in. I'm no, sure he's, he's, been been in a, he's been in, been a, in a lot, lot of. of he's
1: been in a lot of stuff. It's just stuff that we don't watch. Um, notably, he was uh, he played Veronica Mars's dad. Oh wow, that Veronica was a Master. huge show! Yeah, um, he he's been in a lot of things. I mean, consistently, it's okay. just stuff that we've
0: we don't watch. we don't pay attention All right. to. Good, cool. Yeah, Missy Pyle, who a- seems to show up in just about everything Missy- for a few moments.
1: And the thing is, is when Missy Pyle can show up in something and you not know it was Missy Pyle, um, right. Galaxy Quest was one. Dodgeball. Is another.
0: Does she play the the yeah the,
1: the one with the unit and stuff like that? She is just she is so. I mean, again, she is an actress that works consistently. If you look at her her filmography and and the just TV show after TV show after TV show, doing maybe one or two episode. Yeah, in you know maybe a three or four episode arc she was a mom
0: in mom yeah
1: um, you know but she just consistently works but you just never think of her she was in Gone Girl for God's sake um, oh was she yeah she was one of the um, uh, Nancy not Nancy I guess Nancy Grace type stuff like that she was one of the oh the, she was the reporter the reporter the one that yeah. came to the house yeah god I knew so, yes. yeah so she's, she's just, a, ca- she's a she'll chameleon just show up, she'll just show up in something and you just not think oh my god that's Missy Pyle yeah yeah
0: um uh Sam Rockwell, Tony Shaloub, oh, sorry Sigourney Weaver, uh, D- Tim Allen, uh Daryl Chill Mitchell, who hasn't been in a lot of stuff, but I really enjoyed him in the John Larroquette show. He
1: was amazing in uh, um, the John Larroquette show. Yeah.
0: And and of course, um Alan Rickman.
1: Alan Rickman.
0: Who you know, this is not a role that you'd expect him to take. Uh, but oh,
1: but he takes everything though. I that's mean,
0: not true. He does not like science fiction.
1: He does well. He I'm, took
0: this because he thought the role was absolutely hysterical.
1: My my favorite role for Alan Rickman is Don't,
0: if it's, if it's anything other than Hans Gruber, you're wrong.
1: <laughs> no, him is the voice of God in Dogma.
0: He's uh, yes. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So
1: he takes just he takes interesting roles. So it's you know he's only
0: he's only done two, two two movies where he was not supposedly a human.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know what they were? Well, Dogma's one.
0: Yeah. I, I Galaxy Quest.
1: Oh, Galaxy Quest. Because well, he
0: was supposed to be a because he, he was he was a
1: Spock yeah, meets Wharf.
0: He, he was. Yeah. <laughs> and he did him in this. He did him in the same year. He might. I think he was the voice of the robot in *The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy* too. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hell, I even love him in like Love Actually, which is not the greatest movie.
0: In the love world. Actually is horrible. <laughs> it's, don't don't even go. It's not but the it's greatest. But it's got movie. Rickman in it. Rick, look, I don't care if you don't like the role he's playing. He uh, he is always spot on with what he does. Yeah, he's um, good. And the and and Rickman was somebody at this point, point. and of course Sigourney Weaver was somebody. Oh, Justin Long.
1: Yeah, Justin Long. His he's
0: first his first movie. Everybody else in this movie that you talk about was a nobody. Mm-hmm. I mean, legitimately a nobody. And they did not want Sigourney Weaver. Because they didn't want anybody with any science fiction background. Yeah, she this. fought for this. She Well, she kind of... I yeah. think she did a little bit more than fight. I think she might have pulled some yeah. underhanded stuff, but... I mean and this is all stuff her.
1: this is mostly some stuff that we you know you learn in the documentary you get to hear right. her to her talking about how much she really wanted to do this.
0: I think I think the story is really good. I think the special effects are fantastic. I think the acting is exactly what it needs to be. You have you have just enough comic relief that it's funny but just enough acting chops. I, I, apparently there's catnip on the table this morning.
1: Yeah, we've got both cats kind of jumping up and
0: Gets, it gets a little old after a while.
1: A little bit, yeah, especially when they're in front of my computer. So push him off the table. Scoot. Go. Go, buddy. Go. Go.
0: See? That's why you push him off the table.
1: <laughs> the cat just stepped on the cord to my headset, which caused me to propel right into the microphone. Dipshit. Sorry about
0: that. <laughs> So you have just enough of the right type of acting at every spot that you need it to make this movie right. believable at every point. Even the scene where, which they call out in the documentary, that's the scene that had to be nailed was when he ends up telling um, Math Mathisar mm-hmm. that I'm I'm an actor. I'm I'm you know I li- I, I'm lying. I'm lying basically. Yeah. And Alan crushed it. Tim Allen crushed it.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I think Tim Tim Allen. When when it comes down to it, has has developed into a fine actor. He's just he's got a comfort zone sometimes. And-
0: yeah, story a story about Tim Allen was uh, obviously his show Last Man Standing. Um, they have a lot of guest directors on the show, and one of the episodes they had the oldest daughter, and that show is uh, was she directed one of them. It was in the last season, I think. And they you know obviously somebody asked her how it was to work with someone who's your technically your boss because Tim Allen is the show and runs the show mm-hmm. and she says he was really difficult to work with and they went yeah we can see that and she goes no not difficult in the sense that you think he asked all the right questions he wanted to know everything about everything that was going on so that he could so that the episode could succeed whereas all the other actors like oh you want me wear okay he was constantly like what do you, what do you think if i do that can i should i he was really into being like a team player and making sure that the project, and which kind of surprises you from you know, because he, he never co- he always comes off as like, um, they were saying on the set, he was always making jokes, and Alan Rickman was like, Yeah, oh God, um, in the doc, know, in the yeah.
1: documentary, there was a little they were saying there was a little bit of friction between Rickman and, and Alan because because he was wanting to joke around so much
0: until until they you know became buddies, and then it was, you yeah. Know, okay
1: okay so um how how much more do you want to talk about galaxy quest because i would say another two two and a half hours okay all right um well just for those if you haven't seen galaxy quest um again it it probably should be on your list if you haven't seen it um it is a 1999 american science fiction comedy it was directed again as we said by gene parsat uh and written by david howard and robert gordon it is a parody and an homage to science fiction films and uh, science fiction series, especially Star Trek and its fandom. It depicts a cast of a fictional, defunct cult television series, Galaxy Quest, who are visited by actual aliens who think the series is an accurate documentary and become involved in a very real intergalactic conflict. Cast members of the canceled 1980 Space adventure series, Galaxy Quest, spend most of their days attending conventions, promotional experience through... um, And through the series, uh, former lead star Jason Nesmith, uh, who thrives on attention, the other cast members uh, resent him to varying degrees and states of their careers. So the development of them actually going into space and facing off against real space monsters um, brings them together.
0: They're called aliens. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia. Thanks for letting me know what aliens are. (laughs) All
1: right. Okay.
0: Take so us into it.
1: Take us into... What are we into?
0: I don't know. <laughs> you acted like you had a direction you wanted to go. No, Let's I go. just
1: wanted to just make sure we talk, t- t- talked about what Galaxy Quest was about, for those who might not know.
0: It's about a quest and a galaxy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And everybody mm-hmm. wants to level up so they can have more hit points and be stronger.
1: So how many times have you seen Galaxy Quest?
0: Uh, probably 15.
1: Really? Oh yeah. Okay. This was my second time seeing got Gal- yeah. the Galaxy Quest, and it was better movie.
0: the second time than it was the first time, wasn't it?
1: Um. Yeah. I think so. I mean. I, I didn't have the problem with it the first time. Um,
0: I caught something new this time that I'd never caught before. What was that? The Tony Shalhoub saying, "Wow, these floors are really clean."
1: <laughs> I caught that. <laughs> yeah, you did.
0: You did. Um. There's a lot of things about this movie that are. It, it's almost it, there, there's. From the documentary, So are we on the documentary now, or are we on the regular show, on the movie?
1: I, I think we're kind of careening okay in and out between documentary and talking about the movie. So there's
0: there's a lot of things that you th- in the movie that are really really good and you don't really appreciate them until you see the documentary. To be honest with you, um, the. The ability and the that the the director gave them to kind of play around, mm-hmm. and um, the director said he always takes a tack when he does a movie that he gets the shot he wants, and then somebody will say, "What do you think about this?" and he'll be like, "Hell yeah, try it," right? Because what 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 are we gonna lose? Nothing, he says. And if it comes out better, great. And if it doesn't come out better, well, then we use what I wanted, and he gets a lot of things that are unexpected, and kind of gives his actors the ability to put stuff into it. Um the one that they did mention, the big one that they mentioned was when Sam Ra- uh when um Tony Shaloub's character I, I gotta write that, I should start writing the names of the other <laughs> Hold okay. on, I'll find it for Chan, you. Chan ahead Han, Chan Chan Chan, Chan Chom Chan, Ching Chom Ching Chong Um he uh he Fred. When Fred, Fred. teleports the Fred rock Kwan. monster, Fred Kwan. Yeah. Teleports the rock monster into the the thing right. into the room, and then they fight, and then they end up being uh, jettisoned off the the ship. Right. He starts making out with Missy Powell character. Right. And you see her tentacles come up, and and Rockwell was like, "Oh, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a complete ad lib. Right. And it was completely unexpected. Um, one of the ones that I found out this morning that I'm going to have to go back to the part, and I'm going to have to watch it was when they all agree to go uh, uh, eventually. On the ship, and they're in the pods, and they land, mm-hmm. and they're all standing there, huh, mm-hmm. and then the door opens up, and the aliens come in, right, right, and, and, and they're and, all and they, like right. kind
1: of octopus-y squid-looking right. things.
0: One of you know, one of them has a specula in its hand, speculum.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I figured you saw that. Yeah, I recognize what that was. Um,
0: there's a right. They they have a little bit of dialogue, and then Sam Rockwell just start, starts screaming,
1: ah, right.
0: Nobody knew. Apparently, nobody knew. They are positive that Sigourney Weaver did not know that you can see the look on her face when he starts screaming, which is hysterical because that just, like, if I'm on that set and he does that, I start (laughs) laughing my ass off, right? I'm going to be fired after the first day, much like happened in Marine Corps boot camp when something funny would happen and I would laugh and then I got to push for hours. Um, To do something like that, that was hysterical because you're like, okay, scene's over. And then he just, out of nowhere, starts screaming. Brilliant, and that was uh, that's a testament to why he's so doggone popular and why he's such a good actor. But that yeah. that that scene was nice, and I I, I like the scene. I want to know how much I'm going to like the scene when I go back and watch it again today because I can't wait to see Sigourney Weaver's face.
1: <laughs> um, what I was surprised about in watching this movie is there the fandom for it. I mean, it's a good movie. It's a great movie, but I would never have expected that, you know, it would be right up there, like you said, um, in appreciation from people who are Trekkies and and you know, part of that, you know, becoming part of that culture, the the cosplay and and all that. Um, to you know, to me, it was just this comedy, right?
0: <laughs> I I will go into this probably no man's land that I shouldn't go into. I don't understand the people. People go to a um, a convention like that, dressed to the nines in their in their costumes. It's fun, but yeah, but I, I'm not I'm not shitting on them. Mm-hmm. I just that's not you know that's not me. But I'm the guy that'll you know put some face paint on my face and a jersey and go watch a football game too. So it's you know different strokes for different folks. I'm surprised that this single movie has that kind of following. Mm-hmm. Typically. When you talk about, like, like okay, Comic-Con's easy because it's everything. But there are literally Star Trek conventions and Star Wars conventions. Well, that makes sense because Star Wars has, what, 11 movies and four or five different TV series that have been on cartoons-wise and thousands of books. But Galaxy Quest is, like, it's a movie, just one. And it wasn't even – it didn't even make $100 million in the theater. So you're kind of like – Wow, they and that theater at the end of the the at the end of the documentary was full. Yeah. It was full. For the what well, that was a 20th anniversary viewing of the movie, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's uh, that was I mean so that was a little bit surprising to me, but it was kind me, of me as well. really interesting. Like that the the biggest and most interesting part of it is obviously you know we had mentioned that Harold Ramis was the one who was originally tapped to direct this. Um, so it was yeah, going to go in that. in a much much different direction. Um, they were trying to figure out who was going to play um, Jason Nesmith, who's the the commander of you know the the team in Galaxy Quest. In
0: the in, he's the Captain Kirk character. Yeah,
1: the Captain Kirk character, the Captain Kirk analog. How's that? Do I sound smart? Um,
0: no, you sound pretty much just like you did five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! Um,
1: <laughs> so they were looking at it, and and uh, Tim Allen was just coming off tool uh, tool time. Was it Home Improvement? Uh, Home Improvement. Sorry, um, didn't really watch that that much. So Home Improvement is just coming off Home Improvement. It was it's a very. It's a very good show. Um, looking for uh, you know something else to do, and and he really wanted this part. Um, Harold Remus didn't think he was right for the role, and. So I I was surprised that they were looking at Kevin Klein. Um,
0: Ke- uh, th- well, the first choice was
1: Kevin Klein. Alec that?
0: Baldwin. There
1: was the first choice was Alec. The Baldwin. first
0: choice was Alec Baldwin, and they uh something happened there that it didn't work out. They offered it to Kevin Klein. He passed. Uh, don't
1: get beryllium spears. Beryllium spears are for closers. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, you know I've never seen that movie.
1: Glenn Greg, and Ross.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I want to, but um, Kevin Klein turned it down for family reasons. That's all they went into, and they had a long list of people that they offered this role to.
1: Bruce Willis yes. was under consideration. Bill Murray was under consideration. That would have been a totally different movie. Completely different. Um, Mel Gibson again, totally different movie.
0: Yeah, but okay, again, you're right. Everybody went, oh, Mel Gibson. This was pre, drunken side of the road, Jewish rant. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a beloved actor in that that period 1999 he mm-hmm. had the lethal weapon movies and he had the dramas that he had done i mean he was he was a big time name at that point yeah. he wasn't on like, like trying to come back so got a we all know that he's a different person or we see him differently now it doesn't take away from his acting ability but it would have been I think it would have been closer than it were uh, closer to what you had than it would have been with Bill Murray. But go ahead.
1: I, I think it probably would have been closer if it were Bruce Willis. Maybe Bruce Willis is probably a little bit more. The, his cocky attitude's a little bit different than Tim, Tim Allen's cocky attitude. They both are known for kind of being playing those types of roles, but I don't know. There's something a little bit more. I can't put my finger on the word that I'm looking for with I, Tim I, Allen, I, I but it's see, just definitely an everyday kind of guy.
0: I see Bruce yeah. Willis as arrogant. Yeah. And I see Tim Allen's character in this as egotistical and ignorant. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah, maybe maybe a little bit, you know, but it's just yeah. uh you know, Bruce Willis is a very accomplished actor. I mean, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's done a lot of stuff, but when you see Bruce Willis, even his comedy is not i don't i don't I, he's 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 got some good comedic roles but i don't call him a great comedic actor mm-hmm. like bruce willis could not pull off a sitcom to me i, I don't. i don't i think but he was
1: great in friends though
0: yeah i you know what okay
1: you know and he did sh- moonlighting so yeah I, but you know.
0: moonlighting was a little was it was funny but it was i don't know you, you you're, you're you're right Maybe he could. We've never seen him anything like that. I've seen him in movies like Cop Out where he was supposed to be funny and right. it was just it was garbage because he was so pissed off that he was there doing what he was doing. Maybe that was a part of it. I don't know. Um, they wanted Steve Martin for this movie.
1: Yeah, they thought about Steve Martin. They thought about Robin Williams,
0: which would have been completely Yeah, crazy. See, you can't I don't think you can put Robin Williams in a movie like that with without making it I, you know what i mean it's going to go off the rails at some point not off the rails as bad just off the rails as unless he checks himself and does exactly what you want to do i mean robin williams has done some very fine dramatic acting roles oh yeah very good but but
1: i, I haven't seen him do maybe mrs doubtfire but still that there's that there's that crazy anecdote of him having to go, like jump in between the mrs doubtfire character and himself and but, I mean, when I think of Robin Williams, I think of either that crazy, off-the-wall, stream-of-consciousness, just crazy Robin, or really dramatic roles, right? Even, like, even though The World According to Garp was a comedy, he still pretty much played it straight. Yeah. Um, so this would have been an interesting kind of different role for him.
0: He, I think he Maybe was very Maybe more like the good. crazy ones, you know. That was the one I was thinking, yeah. the crazy ones. That He was really good in that. But when you look at this role... Now, mm-hmm. Tim Allen was perfect for it. Oh, yeah. And, and it went exactly the way it should have. He only had two movies before this happened. One was The Santa Claus.
1: And The Toy Story. And yeah. then Toy Story. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got Buzz Lightyear as the lead. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? So it kind of it fell into place. The minute that they decided to cast um, Tim Allen, Harold Ramis backed out. He left because he did not think he was right for the part. Even though he did later admit how good the movie was, and it was probably a big mistake on his part, but if if Harold Ramis would have done the movie, it would have it would have gone a different direction.
1: Yeah, it would have been. I really
0: think it would have gone a different direction. I think you would have had the R rating, and it would have been a raunchy space comedy, probably. Mm -hmm. Because Ramis wasn't always dirty, but he leaned. Well, yeah, because he
1: was he was part of that whole school of um, national lampoons, so Caddyshack and yeah, but but
0: Ghostbusters wasn't dirty at all. No, that was, had a couple of jokes that were, you know, bluish, Mm -hmm. but,
1: Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, uh, I, I I don't think, I don't think you could have gotten a better actor than Tim Allen. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's my opinion. And, I, I he really wanted the role. Go ahead. I,
1: I think, you know, and, and basically what they were saying in, in terms of this documentary is, um, when, Harold Ramis left, it went from being this funny take on uh, these types types of shows and the fandom around them to an actually more of an, the epic range that it took, right? Because even the people who were working, uh, they were interviewing, you know, one of the women who was in charge of the, the set design and the and the spaceship design and, and things like that, and they went from 1970s cheesy to this really in depth, more slick looking interior. Um, that they had to change the specs on her and the way that they handled the transition in the movie um, from you know different resolutions and dimensions in the in the screen. How they you know kind of took over the you know from being having it. Blocked on the sides to make it look like a TV, and then a widening in it, and then widening it even further once they get out in space. And um, I don't think Ramus would have taken it in that direction.
0: No. Well, we they didn't say what changed, but they did say that as soon as Ramus was done, and that they went to the new director, mm-hmm. they they offered it to him, and he says, "I need to think about it." And they basically told him, "You have to tell us before you hang up the phone." this is your opportunity, you're going to take it, basically is what they did. They said they went into basically a complete rewrite. Mm -hmm. So you know right there that what Ramis was going to do was completely different than this. Well,
2: yeah,
1: I think one of the things that they said is when they were rewriting it, um, one of the producers was saying that it was going to be the aliens coming down and them helping them from Earth. And then somebody in the writer's room kind of said, well, what if we took them up into space? And that's what changed the whole trajectory of this movie.
0: Yes, for the for the better, I think. The um, l- let's talk about Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> 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 um,
1: Sigourney, I love her. Yeah, she's. I love her. She's she's super,
0: she's super talented. A couple pieces of trivia that I learned. Uh, one of them was that Tim Allen is a huge Alien fan, the movie Alien, mm-hmm. and in between takes, he would bug her to sign some of his Alien paraphernalia, and she finally she finally agreed to do it and she signed one of them was Tim Allen stole this love Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> and apparently it really upset him. It made him like made him very sad because he was like this huge fan of her. And he, I, I I'm sure that they patched things up because they spoke nothing but lovingly of each other. Um, there's a scene in this where she talks about how, I was, my TV guide interview was six six paragraphs about how my breasts fit into my outfit. Yeah, in Galaxy Quest. Yeah.
1: It, her is, yeah, Gwen. That actually that.
0: happened to Carrie Ryan. Is that her name? Carrie. Jerry, Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine on Voyager. Oh, really? That actually happened to her. Oh, wow. There are a ton of things in this movie that actually happened to someone or were a nod to the Star Trek show. So
1: we're talking about Galaxy Quest the movie now because these were not things that you these are just they were things brought that, up these in are the documentary. Just, yeah, yeah, these
0: are just things that I learned that I mean, we're talking about this we're throwing to trivia out there. So that's one of the things that they did in this movie was they they really had people that knew this genre and Star Trek that that threw these jokes in there and you don't even realize that it's a joke. That's funny as hell. The fact that that actually happened to someone's sad. Yeah, that's a shame. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, her character in in Galaxy Quest, the movie. We're switching gears here, and let's talk about the movie. The character of Gwen in in that movie is really a you know reflective of not only you know those things that happen to to Jerry Ryan or, or other women in you know who are, who are in those science fiction shows who usually are just there male gaze wise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't have a lot to do. They don't have very important jobs, as science fiction has kind of altered over time. As far as these TV genres, it's changed maybe a little bit, um, you know. But then you've got someone like Sigourney Weaver who played somebody as badass as Ripley in Alien, right? Who, which is a very great take on a on a female character. However, the other part is as um, one of the key. Uh, aspects of this movie is the rest of this cast has basically been typecast. They have, you know what I mean? I don't know if they had bad managers or what, but they cannot get a role. And her as an older woman um, in, you know, in her as an actress, she's also struggling too, to try to find some legitimacy and being able to act and and things like that. And, And that happens a lot to women who get a certain age in Hollywood. Um, you know, you're not quite there. And usually in those fandoms, and you'll have to forgive me, it's, it's the women are really there to kind of fill out the suit. I'm okay with that. I'm not.
0: Then don't watch them.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't. No, no, you're right. That's, and that, that's what they were getting at. And, yeah.
0: You know, but even there's one point where the guy, where they're in the, after they've been attacked by Saris, mm-hmm. and the, you know, they're sitting there and they're trying to figure out what's going on. She keeps repeating the, the The, the computer. Comput- and, and um, Loreto goes, that's really getting annoying. And she goes, I have one job on this, and I'm going to do it. <laughs>
1: yeah, she basically repeats what the computer says. It's a she, crazy she, point. In the she movie.
0: auditioned for this, and they told her they didn't want her because they didn't want anybody with any science fiction background. And apparently she badgered the shit out of them. Yeah, that's and, what she says in and, the in And the basically, basically told them, I'm doing this whether you like it or not. I don't mm-hmm. know how, how she got away with that, but I mean... In my opinion, Weaver. In my opinion, if you've got someone like Sigourney Weaver beating down your doors to be in your movie, you gotta let her be in your movie because th- that just the name alone. Uh ironically, the entire crew got together to go watch a screening of the twentieth anniversary of Alien while they were filming this.
1: Oh really? Yeah.
0: Because it came out in seventy eight. I think it was seventy eight so they all went and watched it which is actually kind of cool um
1: yeah I, I you know getting back to the documentary cuz the documentary kind of shows uh, a different um perspectives right you've got movie other movie makers um who are talking about how great this film was and what this film did you kind of Legitimized because you one of the movie one of the documentaries that gets uh, brought up is the Trekkies documentary, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that probably was trying to be done to kind of explore that fandom. That's exactly um,
2: what it
0: was, uh,
1: but it kind of turned it into a, rid- a mocking. No, it it, of
0: it. it didn't. It, the The Trekkies okay. the Trekkies documentary. I never saw that documentary. The, the Trekkies documentary is very very good, but what okay. it, what it does is it digs into it's less about the movies and more about the fans. They don't talk about the movies, they don't talk to mm-hmm. the actors that much. I mean, they have some people it it goes into like these people that are mega ultra massive Star Trek fans. And I said that it kind of it kind of makes them look bad not intentionally, but you're just kind of sitting here watching this going really a lot lots of the ways that that, you know let's let's just say honey boo boo let's just do that you know they they just started it off as a little girl who was trying to be a a, you know a a talent show queen or whatever and everybody was like oh my god and it just made you know you know what i mean
1: well she came out of toddlers and tiaras which is a Right, uh, you know, it's, so she kind of became a breakout star, if you want to call that. Right, you know, so.
0: But yeah. it wasn't it wasn't making fun of them, but like one of the one of the things was that there's a dentist, and I think it was in Orlando, Florida, where this guy had his master bathroom, and it was this monstrous master bathroom, and it was like walking into a Star Trek um, novelty shop. It was just, I mean, there was tile mosaics of Spock, and you're just like wow okay you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I don't feel sorry for you because that's what you want but on the other hand you're like man who the hell would do that so it wasn't it was really delving into the the fandom behind it and did not make fun of them once or Mm -hmm. say anything you were just kind of sitting there watching cringing going wow wow really it would be like it would be like you walking into somebody's house and if they were you know uh, a Patriots fan. Mm-hmm. The house was painted red, white, and blue and everywhere you looked there was Brady jerseys and Gronkowski jerseys and you only you only had Patriots underwear and all, you know what I mean? You'd be like, wow, you have really gone off the deep end here. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to do, good for you. If that's what you like, good for you but you, you kind of feel sorry for that person in the same respect too. So, they, yeah. they go ahead.
1: But, okay, so we've got that, we've got the filmmakers who were reflecting on what this was as filmmaking. You have um, interviews with the cast who talk about approaching the roles, getting their roles, the other actors, some of the scenes that were difficult. Um, and then you have uh, the producers, the director, um, a lot of people who are involved in the set design and, and writing, and, you know the screenwriters. And, um, and then you have the, um, this one family who likes to cosplay, galaxy quest Mm -hmm. um so the show kind of show them walking around comic con and you know dressed up as the the aliens the thermians um and you know some of the other ones where they're dressing up as you know the woman's dressing up as gwen and the the man's dressing up as uh the alan rickman character with the head piece and stuff like that so dr lazarus doctor okay um so you know, we got different perspectives here. The I really enjoy when you hear other filmmakers talk about a film. Um, I had mentioned before I'm watching that, uh, hit that Hitch, Hitchcock one about the, the shower scene, so you have different, yes, horror, horror directors and stuff like that talking about how they're influenced by it and stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> one of the but the thing that stood out to me the most, um, is that they had, um, Who's uh, the guy who who's the showrunner for Watchmen? Uh, let me find it here. Damon Linduff. Okay. When they were interviewing him and he had all sorts of fun little tchotchkes and stuff in the background and they had he had the the bike Oh yeah, from yeah. There's Pee- 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 this big adventure in the background and it was so distracting cuz I'm like, I want that. Um <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, how cool would that look in our living room? Um but I I thought it was really really good in terms of of being able to kind of get those different points of view. Um but the ca- I think that what was great about this documentary was the the insight that you got from the cast, especially the Justin Long. Um, you know, he's Uh, Definitely quite the mimic.
0: Um. (laughs) He's, You know what? He's uh, actually on Douglas movies fairly often. Yeah. And he's a very, very funny, very interesting guy. He's laid back, but he does very, very good impressions uh, of of certain people. I mean, obviously not everybody can do everybody, but yeah, he played his character. He said it was a mix between Marty McFly Mm -hmm. and what was the other one?
1: Marty McFly, um, uh, Chris Farley.
0: Chris Farley, that's right,
1: and the comic book guy,
0: that's right. The from comic the book Simpsons. guy from The Simpsons, yeah, yeah. The Chris Farley, um, I, when he started doing Chris Farley, I was like, wow, that's. But he, <laughs> yeah, he nailed the he nailed the Marty McFly too. Um, very. He was really nervous. Uh, when he was uh doing this movie, he said uh, when he was auditioning, it was really super. It was you know he'd never done a movie. It was mm-hmm. his first one. He was twenty one in this. They said. Yeah. And he looked like he was fifteen.
1: That's the way Hollywood good for cast him, them, yeah.
0: <laughs> good for him.
1: Uh, um uh, yeah, so the, that was interesting. Um, a lot of people's uh, reflections on on Rickman, how Rickman was behind the scenes, because obviously Alan Rickman was not alive for this uh documentary. Um so those were those were really um, good uh pieces of information you could kind of bring it along um uh, so those are I thought those were that was for me that's what I really liked the most about this is me, kind of me in too. between that the cast was like my my first favorite and the second favorite is kind of the everybody else in the business talking about this movie
0: yeah I would have I would have been good if they'd just talked to the cast I mean I understand the whole behind the scenes and the filmmaking and everything but to hear someone like Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver and and you know Enrico Colatini and them talk about this movie for two mm-hmm. hours would have just been like oh, because because yeah. you know that they've got stories about who pranked who and <laughs> you know that one night where where Tim got drunk or it just you know something would have it would have been they said that um they said that he and um uh Alan Rickman got along a lot better than people. Than, than people wanted to believe
1: he, he meaning Tim Allen or he and
0: Tim Allen and okay and Alan Rickman got along a lot better than you would be led to believe okay but it was Rickman had a hard time getting to deal with him to begin with because he did not prepare the same way right and Rickman is a, a, a he's a actor Oh, you know actor, what i mean uh, yes uh and alan's just like hey let's show up and have some fun with it uh said that he was constantly joking constantly making but he said there was something that happened one day and i can't remember what it was that they said he did he did something and rickman literally bur- burst out laughing and that was kind of when they bonded that he was he he acknowledged at that point that hey what you're doing i i get it let's tone it back a little bit or well, something, he said?
1: You know, and I think part of the whole acting process, too, because, I mean, what what that dynamic is is the dynamic in the show, right? Or in the movie, right? The dynamic in the movie is that the actor Alan, who, or was it Alan? I can't remember. Um, the Alan's actor name, Alan Rickman's actor name. I thought it was Alan, but I don't remember. Um, so the actor's jason and and Alan Rickman's character d- had the same dynamic, right? That he thought he was too highfalutin and the uh, you know, Alan Rickman was, you know, too much of a snot, and he the other one didn't think that he took his job seriously.
0: Alexander Dane
1: Alexander Dane, okay. Um and you are correct. yeah, what you're so saying so, is so that right. dynamic is correct. And I think what they said in the documentary, too, is on set, it was really. Sigourney, who kind of had to tap Tim Allen on the shoulder every once in a while going like, you got to pull back, right? you got to, you know, get off of him, you know?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: And, um, and that reflects um, and, and tracks in, in the, um, the movie as well, right? Because you've kind of got her playing, you know, in the middle of these two.
0: Right. I liked the part where they were talking about uh, Enrico Colatini's audition.
1: yes that is that's pretty brilliant yeah he he really set the tone for how the thermians were um and he kind of did a straight read i think and then as he walked away he turned around and said can i try something else no they said
0: some you you look like you want to say something yeah and he goes um i i had an idea and they were like well out with it son and and he came out with the, the whole mm, yes we are the and they were like you have they literally on the spot they said you've got the part and it it they nailed it he also came up with the idea of making them walk all jacked up right cause which they're
1: not used to walking in those bodies yeah
0: I don't that that might have been the part that I was thinking of that might have been the loophole in the movie if they learned everything they learned about humans by watching the historical documents mm-hmm. they would have seen the way they walk. You know what I mean?
1: I don't know. I mean, it it could have been, um, you know, just them trying to to do the best with what they can because you you saw what their real form was. But um, I think what was also interesting um, the way that Enrico came up with that voice is he said when you do vocal exercises, there are you know you you resonate from different parts of your skull, right? So mm-hmm. it's up and down and up and down, and so he used that exercise to create the rhythm and the, the, uh, you know, that up and down part of them, their voice, you know, it's so he's really resonating and using his whole skull. And his whole, yeah. One, um, and they said when Missy Pyle um, auditioned, they said, we're going to show you a, a little bit about, of somebody else's audition. We want to see how you do with this. Um, so she knew that he got the role before he got knew He got the role. <laughs> which is really kind of cool
0: yes let's take a break okay yo 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 what up it's your boy kobe mac host of the kobe told me podcast it's my whenever i want to deep dive with the mac himself where i get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure This is my 30 Minutes or Less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown. I'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game, and when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. Peace. Okay, back. Back. Um... Continuing on the documentary vein, I thought it was kind of funny in the documentary when they were talking about the day Steven Spielberg showed up on set. <laughs> yeah. And the director says he's taking the shot, and he's like, uh, okay, you know, let's do this, look this. So, okay, we got the shot. And I feel this guy next to me, like, in, in mm-hmm. infringing upon my space. And I'm like, hey, pal, what do you think you're doing? And turn and I look, and it's Steven Spielberg. And I was like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Well, it's... <laughs> he- Spielberg yeah. liked he he had liked the the cut.
1: Well, the yeah, the and the cut they were talking about is the if um, is one of the emotional gut punch parts of the movie. Um, that's the scene where Tim Allen has to tell, um, don't know all the names of the Mathazar. Um that they were lying, and uh, a scene that emotion uh, that that Tim was very nervous about doing because it, it required a, you know, him to really emote in a way that was not what he was used to doing. And that's when Steven Spielberg showed up. So when they cut it, when he, you know, when he called cut, Steven Spielberg was like, that was really good. You know, Yeah. are <laughs> you, I think even before he called cut, he was like, this is really, this oh. is really, yeah. And he yeah, was and like, when, really... <laughs> when
0: Steven says it's good, we'll go ahead and accept it. Right?
1: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscars don't lie. Um, his Oscars don't lie. um,
0: as Oscars don't even talk. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Overall, I think this is a good documentary. Because sometimes documentaries um, are... Because they can a- always be kind of a little bit more one-sided um, or overly contrived to fit somebody's worldview. Um, this is obviously an entertainment one, so it's a little less. The The biggest complaint that I've seen in some of the reviews on this particular documentary is that the audio wasn't quite that great. Um, it's a documentary. I didn't, I didn't really notice it. I didn't it, catch anything um, But uh, Apparently it was. But I think even if you've only seen the film maybe once or twice, or you're a diehard fan of this film, I think that it sets the right tone and kind of gives you um, a good balance and and insight into the film, which I, to me, that's, that's a good documentary. Um, uh, It's, you know, I've, there are, there are better ones out there that I can watch probably more than once just because of the richness of this, but this was good. I think it was, it, it, It stuck uh, the right tone. So I thought...
0: I think most documentaries are good. Mm -hmm. It's just a question of whether you enjoy it as a person. Because if a documentary is getting made, it's obviously talking about something that somebody or some group of people have have questions about. Um, You know, from anything like just bringing general knowledge and perspective to something like the shower scene in Psycho. Right. Or, you know, Yuri, Yuri Loves Sushi you know Euro, some, some, yeah. something yeah. like that Euro was yeah I don't know how you me. pronounce it
1: in Japan, Japan you, Japanese hero
0: loves so you know it's it's most documentaries are a labor of love anyway because documentaries right. don't make money they, right. they just don't unless it's documentary now um, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that is a great great show yes it is I
0: wish they would make more of these <gasps> so it, it really is once you watch it a question of whether you like what you heard or didn't like what you heard or just didn't find it enthralling.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the people who made this, um, it was it was made as uh, one of those fathom events Yes, that you see, you know, when you go to the, the theater and every once in a while they'll show you like they'll do an opera or a, um, some kind of special event that you can go and watch and a limited engagement in a theater. So it was this and it was also the people who made uh, who make the Honest Trailers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this was the production company that made this documentary. Um, now, apparently, this would have been really cool to see in the theaters because they actually also they they did it in I think November came out like November twenty third or twenty fifth.
0: No, it came out Christmas Day.
1: No, Galaxy Quest came out Christmas oh, okay. Day. The documentary came out November twenty third, ish, like a month or so before the actual twentieth anniversary, uh, to give people time to see it. Um, so when you saw this, um, part of what you were seeing too is they actually released the very first um, honest trailer for Galaxy Quest as well. Oh, okay. With it, so cool. that would have been fun. Yeah.
0: yeah, they talked about in this something that I didn't know about. Also, in the in the uh, documentary, they they were going to make a Galaxy Quest too. Oh, really? Yeah, remember they they said that in the the thing, but huh. Rickman passed. Yeah. So. You know, you you can't do it without Rickman. I, you know, it's like, how come Led Zeppelin didn't tour? And Robert Plant's <laughs> answer was, "You can't do it. We we can't. We're not a band without Bonham." So, <laughs> I, I I think you, I think you did the right thing and not make it as good as the first one was. It's it's, you know, when it, there's a that's a that's a, a, a two edged sword. There, you have a movie like Will You Step Brothers? Okay, that is as loved as Step Brothers. Everybody wants a Step Brothers too. Uh, I don't. It's never as good. I don't, no. You, there, you have so much to live up to. It's, you catch that lightning in that bottle that one time. Uh, Anchorman. I, I enjoyed the second Anchorman, but it was not Anchorman. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was it, it just, when you have a movie that has a, a standalone story like this and ends mm-hmm. the way it does, I get that Hollywood is about more, 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 but as a fan, you should be like, you know what? That was really good. Let's just leave it alone. Well, I
1: think with, with Anchorman 2, just to Kind of sidetrack the conversation, at least the thing that I, I appreciated about Anchorman 2 is they actually took a time in the, me- the media to really explore that with the Ron Burgundy and and, and all his kind of crude characters. Um, you know, in the beginning it was, you know, how things were free in the 70s and and a lot of people when that movie came out, a lot of people who were like local newscasters when back when I was in Massachusetts were saying, yeah, that's pretty much you know <laughs> I mean, not that crazy, but that was pretty much the vibe, right? It was that kind of the sexism and the Boys' club kind of corniness and stuff like that. So to take Anchorman Two into the <laughs> what?
0: Women cannot be news anchors, and that's a scientific <laughs> fact. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so you know when you when you take Anchorman Two into the cable era era, it's it's good. Now I don't think you should take it any further than that. You know, I don't. They think, got the Ron think. Burgundy podcast. We're good. Yeah, I don't
0: think. They, um. I don't think they will because even they said. How daunting a task it was to try and follow up something like Anchorman. Right. So, I mean, you take something like this. How do I mean? How can you follow this up? You know what I mean? You, right. It would be like uh, it would be like Tucker and Dale. We talked about Tucker and Dale. Right. You know, they had talked about where. Sure, you can make a movie and just slap some garbage together, but how do you how do you do that without disrespecting the the brilliance that is this? And what do you do? You go back to space? I mean, that's not that's not fun. You know what I mean? Right. So. I I I guess I can see it but I I do I do applaud them for for just halting production when Rickman passed yeah. which was a shame he was only 61 years old
1: I thought he was 62
0: oh, Okay mm. 62 <laughs> yeah. Um there's uh there's not too many more things uh, that I have from the from the documentary really okay. that I mean that are like the highlights I mean uh, they, they do talk about the people and their auditions, and we've, we have kind of touched on the ability to let them do what they wanted to do mm-hmm. and, and be freewheeling, which really kind of attributes to why these people that were in this movie that were nobodies mm-hmm. are now like household names. They, they really are. Like you said, they may not be something you watch all the time, but... You know, Sam Rockwell has just done movie after yeah. movie after movie,
1: and he turned down this movie several times. They yeah. offered him. they tried to get well, him- he
0: turned it down because he was he had signed to do an independent movie. Do you know who talked him into doing this movie? Kevin Spacey really? yes he 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 wanted to do this, but he had a previous commitment to the independent movie that he had signed with, and he really wanted to do the independent movie and he said he said he's going to have to get one get, give one of up and spacey was like no you got you got to do that because that's that's going to make you so i mean kevin spacey did something right apparently <laughs>
2: <coughs> <coughs> okay yeah, maybe
0: maybe sam rockwell wasn't a 15 year old boy i don't know hey, oh, uh, he ru-
1: yeah. ruined one of my favorite shows on tv on yeah. netflix um <laughs>
0: Yeah, we still haven't watched the last season of that, and I heard the last season's not worth watching. Yeah,
1: I know. Ruined it. Completely ruined it. Okay, so um, let's uh, let's talk about maybe... I, I I don't think we really want to talk about box office about this because this was very limited engagement. Um,
0: we could do box office on Galaxy Quest if you wanted. I've got no, that no,
1: up. we can do box office on the Documentary, and I think you've got some other stuff that you wanted to talk about. Galaxy Quest. Would you like so to we- tell
0: me what I'm going to do then? Here let's. <laughs>
1: I just wanted to kind of wrap up on the documentary, and then if you okay. wanted to talk a little bit more about Galaxy Quest, I didn't we can. look up.
0: I didn't look up box office on the documentary. Yeah, th-
1: I don't think there's a whole lot in terms of box office on the documentary because no, it was very limited engagement. Um, I see What you're saying? It is uh, currently available if you have a Amazon Prime. Um, it is is available with Prime right now. Um, so it's a it's. You know, you got ninety-five minutes. It's it's a good it's a good sit down and watch. And who doesn't you, have ninety-five minutes these days? If
0: and, you like the movie, then the documentary is de- definitely worth seeing. There's there yeah. the, the, here's some of the things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that we missed that mm-hmm. they talked about. Uh, we only hit the highlights. There's a lot of things that they talk about as far as you know what they did with sets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? We'll we'll talk about the last thing. There was a fire on set. Yes, and they gloss over this in the documentary. <laughs> What they were doing was they were going for they were using a certain film uh shooting style. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what he called it, but it, it needs a lot of light mm-hmm. to work. So Spielberg had said what you do is you put a lot of foil like mylar paper down mm-hmm. and it helps all the light reflect. Well, apparently it also helps the heat reflect because <laughs> some stuff caught on fire. I don't think anybody was hurt, but yeah. One thing they did say in this also that was impressive was they talked about the set. And when they brought the one girl in, the one woman, she had actually worked on the set for Star Trek. Yeah. And she's like, oh, cool. This is going to be nice and easy. night Easy, key, mm-hmm. cheesy, 70s stuff. And when she showed up and started making the set, they were like, "Uh, no, that's not how we're going to do it. And she kind of fought them a little bit on it. And they're like, look, this is how it's going to go. And if it's not going to go that way, we're going to go a different way.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, they had also changed the the way that this movie was going to be, so it kind of, we call, you know, when you're running any project, you know, there's a term called scope creep, and it happened a lot with this movie, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. It did. When they built the set, they actually built the set to articulate. Okay. The, The set actually moved. Because they didn't want the actors faking that they were moving, they wanted them. They <laughs> yeah, wanted it moving. The is. first, the first time they actuated it, it threw the threw the actors out of their chairs and knocked two lights down. <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't go as cheesy as old lady, as old old girl thought they were going to. What was it? Was it
1: Saturday Night Live when they used to do when they used to do their? Because uh, they would have uh, John Belushi do. Uh, Captain Kirk, a uh-huh. lot stuff like that. And did was that when they would do that when they were trying to do something, they would just like throw themselves randomly yes. in their chairs. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't have questions about this. I don't really think we have um, uh. Again, we 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 probably don't really have a whole lot on box office. But so let's move to, uh, in this documentary, what were the three things that kind of stood out for you? Like favorite bits.
0: Um, number three was when Sigourney said, I stole the wig. <laughs> she said, she said, I loved yeah. wearing the wig. Even though she said every time I put it on, I felt like my IQ dipped precipitously. <laughs> she said she loved being a blonde and she stole the wig. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one was when they were talking about who they wanted to be the lead. I, I was flabbergasted when they started throwing those names out there because that stuff fascinates me anyway, about, right. you know, who they, cause, cause you're like, Oh, how would he have done in that? You know, mm-hmm. like, what if Bruce Willis hadn't have been cast in Die Hard? Right. You know what I mean? Right. The names, well, and they start throwing the names out there, and you're comparing in your head, like, well, what would what, what would Bill Murray have done with that role? And yeah, what would-
1: I mean Kevin Kline, I think probably could have done a good job with it. But when I see Kevin Kline, even in the even in A Fish Called Wanda, even in that role where he plays somebody that's not that bright, he still has an air about him that is. A, exudes this actor's intelligence and I just don't think it would have meshed.
0: I, I think Kevin Klein has taken roles throughout his career that he wants to take. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis has said a number of times that to be a megastar there's a fine line. You have to do a movie that puts money in the coffers for the studio and then you can do a couple movies that you want to do. Which is why not all of Bruce Willis's movies are huge hits. He'll do the Die Hard Five, you know, and then he'll do whatever he wants to do. I think Kevin Klein doesn't subscribe to that. I think Kevin Klein does roles that he wants or that mm-hmm. he thinks well, warrant. He's, he's a Shakespearean yes, actor. Yes, he is. By, yeah. and, and he's severely underrated as an actor because I've never seen him in anything that I didn't think he was good in. I've seen some movies that he was in that I was like, eh. In and Out. You know what? In and Out yeah. wasn't that great, but yeah. he was really good in it.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean. Plus, Tom Selleck.
0: <laughs> you know? No, Fierce Creatures.
1: Uh, oh, is that the
0: That was the sequel the to the sequel? I or, have not seen it's, that. It's not the it's not the sequel, it's the unofficial sequel. Mm-hmm. It's not good, but they're all good in it. You know what I mean? It's one of those movies that when you watch it, you're like, that wasn't a good movie, but I had a good time. Kevin Klein's just severely underrated. But how would he have I feel like he would have been better in Rickman's role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Not not as the lead. So just whenever they talk about that stuff in documentaries, it always fascinates me. And my favorite was when they were talking about Enrico Colatini's audition, about mm-hmm. how he just literally turned the whole movie on its ear by coming up with something on the spot. That's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, my my favorite parts um, was what we had talked about too when they were talking to Justin Long about his uh, basically his inspirations for how he read certain lines, um, and he actually does them very very well. Um, The one they didn't show when he was talking about the comic book guy, but you see it when you watch it in Galaxy Quest is when his mom comes to the door and he's like, I'm really busy. I mean, that's when you get the comic book guy coming out of him. Um, But I thought that was good. Um, Alan Rickman's response to Tim Allen's emotional, uh, I don't want to say epiphany on set, but when he had to do that scene with Enrico, um he was it exhausted him. It really did. And he he basically said to the director, I need to go take a few moments and they're fine. And and Alan Rickman they said that Alan Rickman basically said, Oh, he finally experienced acting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and just burnt. You burnt. Um the other thing in my favorite is um Patrick Breen, who played one of the, uh the the aliens he the, played the one who died right the one who died the one who looked up to Grab those, Emma. dr lazarus um he had a friendship with alan rickman after this movie and he talked about he had seen him probably like a month before he died
2: yeah um, i was going to bring this up if you did
1: yeah and he said that he had come to he was doing a Patrick was doing a play in New York and and Alan Rickman and his wife came to see it and you know, he basically had told, he didn't look well so he was just basically telling him I had a stroke and he didn't want to say he was sick with cancer because he didn't want to bring down the night and just have had dinner but I thought it was funny that he he had dropped out of a project because of his illness and so they asked who replaced him and he was like Bill Nye. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually did some research, and I found out what he re- was replaced in what um he was replaced in a movie called The Limehouse Gollum by Bill Niley. um it is basically kind of a mix It's like spot a Scotland Yard detective who's trying to find a murderer and you know kind of this
0: it's like, kind of, of like a noir film type it's thing? not
1: a noir it's more like a um a Sherlock Holmes meets Jack the Ripper kind of vibe to it. Okay. Um, so it would have been interesting to see. I was watching the that's what I, when you heard me out there watching, I was watching the um the trailer for it. So it it probably would have felt and looked a lot different with with Rickman in it. Okay. Than I don't think they're they're immediate replacements for each other, but they are very much dry English. Sarcastic. Gotcha. you know I liked
0: I also um, liked the part because there's it's obvious that Rickman has a sense of humor because everybody mm-hmm. that talks to about him tells tells you what a wonderful man he was and how kind and caring he was. The one the story that Justin Long told the last the last one in, for the documentary too here was Justin Long was in a he had the opportunity to be in a play mm-hmm. and they were taking over for the cast and Rickman was in the cast that they were taking over for. And Justin Long doubted himself. He's like, I don't, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. So he didn't show up early. And when he showed up, there was a card in his dressing room from Rickman, yeah. and it was in this beautiful, flowing. Uh, he said beautiful, flowing cursive letters, and he said, and it read, "Fuck you." <laughs> 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 so um, I th- I thought that that was you know fitting. Uh, I like that they threw that that those bits in about him.
1: I always used to say about Alan Rickman if I ever met him on the street and and and. before he died and you know had the courage to go up to him and talk to him even if he had even if he had said fuck you to me i would have been like thank you mr rickman
0: (laughs) yes yes more please more (laughs) nice
1: could you say that on my answering machine
0: yeah Uh, right (laughs) um (laughs) asian dawn i don't know i heard about them on 60 minutes so there's a lot of things that i found out about the movie itself with the different nods to different people that I kind of wanted to throw out there because they were really... Galaxy Quest, yes, the movie. Yes. The first one was um, the scene where Nesmith, uh, Tim Allen, goes mm-hmm. into the bathroom and he closes the door and he hears the people talking about him. Right. That actually happened to William Shatner. Really? Yes, in 1986 at a Trekkie convention. That actually happened. They wow. pulled that from the the from the... the real life which is kind of impressive because there's apparently a lot of things they pulled from real life here one of them uh there's the scene where they're looking for the beryllium mm-hmm. sphere yep and uh laredo makes fun of lazarus for having the unit upside down mm-hmm. in the first season of star trek leonard nimoy was not familiar with the device and he held it upside down constantly <laughs> um they based, uh, or, or Sam Rockwell based his character on Hicks from Aliens. Game what are we gonna over, do, man? man. Game over. Game over. Because uh, of the way that he was constantly paranoid about, you know, going to die. Was gonna he die was going to die because he's the red shirt. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, the, you know, that was the one thing that they talked about in the documentary that we mentioned too, with the, in the fight with the rock monster where Tim Allen loses his shirt. Right. He was supposed to do the rest of the movie shirtless. Yes. And Tim Allen told him that's not going to happen. So the shirt that he puts on in the transport room just magically appears. <laughs> they did that as a nod to Captain Kirk constantly losing his shirts in battles mm-hmm. on Star Trek. Um, in uh, 2009's remake of Star Trek, there is a scene where Sulu and Kirk are parachuting out or doing something, and that's a nod to the scene from, Star- from, from Galaxy Quest where the they've been ejected the 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 aliens have been ejected from the ship. Okay. So, we've got Galaxy Quest making nods to Star Trek and then later Star Trek making nods to Galaxy Quest, which is actually to me really really cool. In the finale for Star Trek 5, William Shatner wanted rock monsters. <laughs> and the budget wouldn't let him. That's where the rock monster came from. Okay. Uh, the character Guy Fleegman—that's yep. the name of uh, Sam Raimi's. That is a nod to a gentleman named Guy Vardaman, mm-hmm. who was an actor on some of the Star Trek stuff, and he ended up after he, he, he was a, he was like an extra, like a like a screen guy, or like you know he was the red shirt. Okay, it always died when they went down. Um, and then he became a stunt double for most of the show, and uh, they told him that we were gonna. You know, throw you a nod somehow, and he had no idea until he saw it in the movie that he got the whole guy Fleegman, guy Vardaman thing. The um scene where Rickman tells Tim Allen, "You're always stealing the best lines and stuff and stuff and stuff like that." Mm-hmm. That came from the Star Trek the original series. Shatner would get angry when other characters would start to become as popular as he was, and he would make them rewrite lines and do reshoots to increase his screen time and take lines away from the other actors. Wow. Yeah. That's why, and that's where the the group vibe chemistry comes from in the beginning, that that is legitimately how a lot of them felt about Shatner back when they were doing the show for the first five years. Wow. That's it. That's all I got. That's I think. it. All right. There's other stuff, but none of it was really fascinating. Okay.
1: So, the one thing that I did look up um after because the one thing one one character we didn't really talk about that and he his voice and and perspective didn't show up in the documentary was Robin Sachs. Um he mm-hmm. is the voice of Sarus, who's the the big baddie yes. in in Galaxy Quest. Um he's got I mean he's you, you look at his uh resume here and I mean he's been in you know a few NCIS Castle Torchwood um but he's a big voiceover uh person he's done Resident Evil's Mass Effect uh Dragon Age uh Mass Effect um but he was on Babylon 5 um for about four years um six episodes worth okay two so and this was before Galaxy Quest nice so I think it's funny that that Sigourney Weaver had to fight for that but he could just you know because he's a voice yeah not um. a
0: face <laughs> yeah but I mean when you don't want anybody with a science fiction background also and you start talking about Ripley right you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. not like it's not like they took the um, the Hispanic uh, uh, female actress from Aliens that had the with the big gun I can't remember what her name was oh yeah Cortez yeah. Uh, you know it's not like they had someone who was in a sci- st- a Star Trek or a, a sci-fi movie they had someone that was in literally two of the biggest science fiction movies of all time right uh so yeah but but I get it yeah that, that that's he I think he did really well that was something that I forgot to mention you know the the little legs that run his head right Sauron's head mm-hmm. Sa- Sauron mm-hmm. not Sauron
1: uh Sarah Sarah
0: do you know what that is a nod to? What? That's a nod to the thing. Re- oh, because of the... The little legs that popped out <laughs> when it when it first became... Yep. And the guns that yeah. they use, you're like, they look like big submarine sand- submarines sandwiches. I, they did. They, they looked did. like
1: huge submarines to those the pig sandwich.
0: Those are essentially the same guns from the Fifth Element. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> How did I not notice? Uh, because we
0: blocked out the fact that we watched the Fifth Element.
1: Yeah, those are the weirdest looking guns. Just yeah. like a big old submarine sandwich coming at you.
0: But there's there's so many little things in this movie where they, it's it's like a love it's like a love letter to science fiction movie, mm-hmm. and and you don't even you don't even know that or acknowledge it until you start digging. It which was right. it, which is really neat that you can do something like that and pull it off that well.
1: That's cool. That's cool. So um, I do not, ha- I mean, I don't know if you want to talk box office on Galaxy Quest. Yeah, I'll talk box um, office
0: on Galaxy Quest for just a minute. Okay. And before we do that, what 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 was, uh, you, listen, you know what, it's not going to make my top three, but I noticed something else in Galaxy Quest last night that I'd never noticed before, and you you pointed it out. Norm McDonald, Norm McDonald, not Norm MacDonald, Kevin McDonald being the announcer at the final
2: oh, <laughs> oh my
1: god, everybody, look, it's James Naismith. <laughs> I, oh, poor little Kevin
0: McDonald. Um. Well, <laughs> as you as you all saw from the brain candy episode, we do like uh, we, love we do like our kids, kids in, the, in hall. the hall. But Kevin McDonald has done so many little things that he's just so good at um i completely did not even realize that he was in that and that had to have been like a a fairly small part or yeah. like cuz cuz that was not a not a fairly small part but like the beginning of his life after kids in the hall because kids in the hall was 90 91 through 96 yeah
1: i mean he was probably doing um cuz he was he was voice in Lilo and Stitch and that came out 2000
0: yeah i'm not sure yeah like that well i
1: think no i think they were working on it around around 2000 stuff like that because what they had originally in lilo and stitch just a little lilo and stitch trivia for you um is when stitch steals the the spaceship and is trying to get away he was originally flying the spaceship in a city and kind of flies the thing between two tall buildings and it was set to release after 9-11. So they had to take it out and they made it mountains. Um, So, but it takes a long time for those films to be made. So he was probably working with Disney at the time.
0: Cool. All right, box office for Galaxy Quest. Now the great thing about, you have to forgive me, I'm trying to read and talk with my glasses are screwing me up here. The great thing about a truly good movie is that it can it word of mouth can save it. Yeah. This movie released on Christmas Day 1999 and that was a Saturday. That wasn't a Friday. So I'm not, you know, I guess that makes sense because typically movies release so on Friday. Uh this had a budget of 45 million dollars. And opening weekend it did 7 million. That's that's a bomb. Mm-hmm. That's a monster bomb. And again, Let's talk about the fact that the marketing was completely wrong for this movie.
1: Yeah, they were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with this.
0: But this movie released on December 25th, and its last day in the theaters was May 18th. It d- never did huge weekend numbers. Like there was never like a $50 million weekend. But in February, it was still pulling in a million and a half on Saturdays, which, yeah, there's not a lot of movies. That out in February, uh, January seventh, it did two and a half. January eighth, it did four. It it word of mouth saved this movie. It ended up doing ninety million worldwide. Did seventy one domestically. Um, on a forty five million dollar budget in nineteen ninety nine, that was a win. But if this movie had not gotten the word of mouth that it got from from fans, it would have tanked hard because when you when you drop on Christmas Day. You're expected to make some money, right? I mean, recent years, movies that have come out on Christmas Day—the Harry Potter movies, Mm -hmm. uh, the Star Wars movies, right? um, You know, there's always monster movies being released, right? There's always a big Disney movie that typically comes. I think Frozen was a Christmas release, wasn't it? Yep, the first one. So
1: the second one too, I think. I don't remember. I'm not.
0: No, the the, second that one. uh, I think that released in like November. I think that was okay. Thanksgiving. Okay, But regardless, when you come out on Christmas, you're expected... Now, to not break $100 million is kind of sad because this movie is a lot better than that. A lot Cat- better than Cats that. Cats came out but, on Christmas. <laughs> well, you know... the fa- You know what? Let's just take five minutes. Who, who thought that fucking movie needed to be made? Let's get right down to it. Um, There...
1: I am not going to speak on this because I think Lindsay Ellis, if you all ever listen to Lindsay Ellis' YouTube channel, did a fantastic job of talking about why this did so bad and why this got made. I can tell
0: tell you why it did so bad because there's a difference between a musical and a movie. And you can't just take a musical and make it a movie just like you can't take a movie and make it a musical and it be good. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody that wanted to see Cats has seen Cats.
1: Right. Well, the other thing that, you know, she, and she's, she says this in, in her um, video essay, which I, it's done very, very, very well, is first of all, Cats really doesn't have a, have a heck of a plot to it. Yeah. Um, second of all, um, in the p- production of Cats, um, basically the entire cast is on the stage all the time. And instead of that, they had to work around stars who did not want to be in the background all the time. So you had Taylor Swift and Adris uh, Elba. Adris Elba. Like. Um, you had all these like James Corden that you had to walk, walk, work around his TV schedule, and you know it just there was so much dissonance in in, in what they were trying to do that it just. It flopped. It absolutely flopped. And I, I think that that's. I I'm not going to say anything about it because I think she she nailed it. So
2: okay, go find
1: on. her on YouTube and find about White cats. Ugh. Anywho, Ugh. um. So uh, the the one thing I did that confuses me about this movie, um. I guess the only question that I would have is I know that they were desperate to try to to make something kid friendly family friendly with it but with the bare bones of what they had there's certain things that the, the decision just does not make sense with galaxy quest like the little little um mining aliens that look like little babies okay. and are absolutely i mean if i was a child if i had seen that when i was a child that would have freaked me the Scared hell the out because right. yeah. the you know they're diving on the the one that's got a broken foot and they're got the big teeth and they're, you know, very, very scary. So that was kind of a a really strange thing that they would try to kind of force fit this movie into to to children's. And then at the end, you know, when they're um just the whole crew has been beaten the hell up, you got Alan Rickman with his, you know, latex
0: um, his
1: cap cap, you know piece and he's got his own hair sticking through because it's been so beat up and stuff like that but you've got Gwen who's by that time her complete outfit is tore up so she's just got nothing but a bra and, and, and like a few pieces of fabric th- thrown together you know what I mean so it's like that's not what you would consider it a kid friendly movie and they're you know they're trying to cut it to make it that, so it's 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 a lit- that that was that's the only dissonance that I really have in this movie so nothing like suspension of disbelief wise I have questions but seriously
0: well i think i think that what you've got maybe at that point is and having seen the documentary, we can speculate mm-hmm. uh we did not touch on the part on the part um that uh, they had um there was a lot of practical effects on this set. There wasn't a lot of CGI. Mm-hmm. The aliens, when they greet them after they've landed from the pods, right. walk through and, oh, forgot we didn't have our, you know, cloaking device or whatever on. And they were those octopus. The Stan Winston studios did the practical effects and industrial light and magic did the special effects. And which makes sense, you know, cause you know, Spielberg, um, even though that's Lucas, Spielberg works hand in hand with him. The they said the people from Winston uh, Studios said that they had the the octopi made and ready to go, and they called him up like two weeks before they were supposed to use them. Said, "Hey, I think we're going to change," and they were like, "No, these are already built. <laughs> and, you know, we'll do whatever." But I think there was a lot of indecision, and they probably used those little guys as a setup, as a joke, to be extremely feral and violent. Mm-hmm. Right, but then when they kind of stepped away from that and changed their marketing, they were like, "We spent a shitload of money on that CGI." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We right. can't we can't just get rid of this. Plus, we've already got this set up. As this is where we're going, all of that took place out in that desert that they filmed in. That they're never they never let anybody film. Maybe it was something that they just couldn't get rid of, and they kind of had to use what they had. I I see where you're coming from to market that as to, to kids, and then do that you're like whoa you know maybe maybe you could have taken the teeth away and then just had them be scared and then the big rock guy come to defend them but you're right that no, was they
1: were very much what did we say lord of the flies last time
0: yeah it was, <laughs> was like it was
1: get them get them
0: um <laughs> yeah
1: not 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 fun so do you have three uh favorite parts of galaxy quest you want to share
0: i do um I think I honestly think Tony Shalhoub stole the show in this movie. I think every scene he's in, he's really good. But my favorite is when they come out of the pods, and the others like, oh, oh, and he's like, "Well, oh, that's a hell of a thing," <laughs> you know. In, in typical Tony Shalhoub fashion, just walks and turns around and goes, Oh, what? What's wrong with him?" Uh, the, his his facial expressions, the whole, and I'd never caught it, and it's funnier the more I think about it. Wow, these floors are really clean. He was just completely. Completely, just not even impressed that he was on a spaceship. It's, yeah,
1: well, that's one of my mind too. As I said, Tony Shaloub, he just seems completely out, unfazed by most of the things that are happening to him. There are there are a couple scenes where he's, you know, he's the one that's trying to. Um, I don't know what they said um, that is. The equivalent to beam him up, but you know what I'm talking about where he they, oh, yeah, they get digitized w- him or something, yeah, and they they get the they try to get the little hog beast thing and it comes inside out, so he's freaked, he's n- rightfully freaked out about that. For the but for a lot of this movie, he just seems so completely unfazed by what's happening to him, almost to the point where I'm like, is there something mentally wrong with him? It's- yes, <laughs> so that that's one of mine too.
0: Okay, go ahead. Um, the second one was when Tim Allen first went up when he was in the limo and they took him up and he's walking through. He's like, wow, this is really good. Normally it's just some cardboard and some tinfoil. Completely clueless and just, (laughs) he's like, sit down. He's like, "Uh, yeah, oh, give me another Diet Coke. He's like, "He goes yeah, yeah, uh, fire all the red ones, fire all the blue ones. Uh, Okay, I got somewhere to be in 15 minutes. Just, what a dick. (laughs) (laughs) He was just this... You know, not even a like, a, it wasn't even a, like, wow, you guys have done a really awesome job with this set. It's like, oh, this is really, you know, normally it's just carbon. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, well, you look pretty today, mm-hmm. you know, like a super backhand compliment. And he sits down and he's like, okay, yeah, let's uh, just absolutely cracked me up. Um, but my favorite, and it gets me every time because it's just, I don't know if it's just because it's juvenile or just because it's funny. Is when the Thermians show up at his his mansion, mm-hmm. and he's trying to find his shoe,
1: and he's got his butt and way he up. bends <laughs> over in his underwear, and
0: they're just like, "Oh, yeah, oh. it's just not what you would have expected." But um, I, I liked I liked that. <laughs> well, I
1: already said that my Tony Shalhoub one. Um, the other part too is, and how can you not say this is the take her out sequence where they've got Daryl Chill trying to to fly. The spaceship for the first oh, time and take her out of so the bay, good. and it's just and they and in the documentary they talk about how it was just the director making that sound that sound and they're all reacting to him doing that, but it's just <laughs> it just reminds me of that SpongeBob. You're good. You're good. You're, you're good, good. You're, you're good. good.
0: <laughs> Don't worry about it, Captain. That'll buff out.
1: <laughs> um, and let me see. I just think. All right. I'm since since you took my one about Tony Schiavone, I'm going to say that just the the Thermians and they're always smiling in their other forms instead like that. It's just that is just so weird because it it gives them an innocence, um, but it's just it's also unnerving.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I, just,
1: I like
2: vacantly mm,
0: all the time. It's it's like you have. Um... Sometimes when you say things that might come off wrong, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, it's almost like you have someone that's super, super intelligent, but with Alzheimer's. You know what I mean? Right. You, you, know, you know what these people have done and built and designed, and they're like, oh, yes, we are going to lie to, you know, right. you believe the TV show. Yeah, it's it's kind of off-putting.
1: <laughs> and what they said about is like, do you really think Gilligan's Island? Oh, those poor people! Those poor
0: people!
1: <laughs> um, and obviously, any second you've got Alan Rickman on film is great. It's you just, know, he's amazing. He never
0: movie. took his cap off. His he, every scene he's in this movie, he has that little. Letter, even when he's yeah. in his apartment on the on the phone.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> All, All right. right. <laughs> so uh,
0: I, I liked it. You liked it. I, I did. You I like liked
1: it. The, you like the documentary. Would I, you watch the documentary again?
0: I don't have a lot of free time right now. Oh, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I typically find a documentary when I watch it, I like it. Because it's something that I, like I said earlier, it's mm-hmm. something that I, I, I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to like know everything about something to watch a documentary and go, eh. You know what I mean? Unless it was just shitty. Yeah. So... It was it was neat to to to, right. to learn that stuff.
1: I I mean I'd probably watch it again just because I I know that there's a lot of things that I probably didn't catch the first time around, um, of movies or, or documentaries that I could watch probably more than once. You know, it's not it's not right up there with like Amy or Thirty Feet from Stardom or, um, you know, there's an Arlene uh, Eileen Arpal one that's amazing too. But I. You know, I think maybe one more time on that, and that's probably all I could probably do with this. I agree. Okay. All right, so I guess I have one question to ask you, and you've got this look (laughs) on your face that's making me very nervous right now. So nervous. Um, What are you going to pick for me to watch for the next episode?
0: As we talk every week, the, Uh the list is getting smaller and smaller of things that I have for you to watch. Okay. But I ran across one this week that I had forgotten about and I did not realize that you had not seen it. And I don't know if I want to make you watch it, because I, I want to have us watch it, but I know it's, it's free right now on Prime mm-hmm. because we have the HBO add-on. Mm-hmm. And I personally feel that that movie should have won Best Picture. But I can see on your face that you can don't want to watch this can movie.
1: Can I take a guess yeah. what this movie is? Yeah, you is. can. Is Team America? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, America. You, you, act like, Fuck yeah. you act like humor... <laughs> You act like sometimes humor that that I have does, you don't laugh at it a lot or it it bothers you. And I act like, you know, you making me watch Rebecca bothers me. And and we know that's not the case because we really have enjoyed it. We, you took me to see the book of Mormon. I did. And we laughed our ass off. We did. And I,
1: I, I, and, and to be fair and to be honest, I think I went to go see the South Park movie in the theaters and it was flipping brilliant. Yes. Um, so I don't know why I have hesitation about
0: this. you know what? Okay, that's that's good because I know I know that we've watched South Park together and sometimes South Park can be hit or miss. Yeah. Um but the good episodes are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we laugh together when we watch those most of the time mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh Team America does the same thing to um America waging jihad on jihads mm-hmm. that Book of Mormon does to to being Mormon. Right, it, it's the same type of humor. So you know what? I think that's what we're gonna go with. We're gonna go with Team America: World Police. Okay,
1: all right. I think what the thing that what the thing is is you know you and I are are probably of the age range where we were the ones who quote unquote were the first ones kind of indoctrinated into that into South Park. Right? Did you watch it when it first came out? Because I know Keith and I did.
0: Um, I didn't. I didn't watch it religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh. Because the person that I was living with, okay, but I, when I got to see it, I loved it.
1: Okay, I I watched it and I probably watched it for a couple of years, and then after a while, it just got, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you to keep up with it got got too difficult or hard. You know, you would have other things. I was going to school at night, and um, so but I also know that your son, my stepson, um, also came and and found found it that he loved it when he was a tween i mean and he you know he claims it no you know what i mean yeah. so um it's 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 different but i think after a while you just you, you kind of get kind of burnt out on I, on it i so. agree
0: it is a certain type of humor and mm-hmm. this is the thing that i've always appreciated about parker and stone it's very rare that do you watch something that has dick and fart jokes in it that's inte- that's intelligent <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, it's There's equal. A lot, op,
1: it's an equal opportunity. Yeah, and they don't they don't just well. pick
0: on something; they pick on everything. Yeah, but it's it's like smart jokes. Some mm-hmm. of the jokes you're like, oh my god, that's brilliant! And every it, it, you know what I mean? They have an older movie called Orgasmo. It's an it's was like one of the first things they ever had, and I, I actually, uh, our our friend Joe Deal, mm-hmm. uh, when we when when we were working together, he actually we were we actually watched it in the room one night and it's south park humor um and it deals with the adult film industry uh it's just and it, and you're like wow this is really stupid but god damn it's it's smart it's so i i think plus i mean the entire movie is done with marionettes it's it's yeah, and that's, brilliant. A,
1: that's a nod to like the british yeah show so, um yeah all right so okay, if, cool. if you haven't seen
0: it uh watch it i think you'll enjoy it oh my goodness excuse me i have the hiccups yep
1: more, Which is more weird bodily be- functions on the I show? Woohoo! I, haven't, I haven't had a drink yet today. Bodily functions. We still haven't had our top five for fighting reference. So go ahead. And let's get that out of the way. Oh, there we go.
0: What <laughs> my, my top five for fighting? Um, you know what? I'm trying to trying to think about uh, something that I can bring up. Um, I can't bring anything up right now.
1: Well, you can kind of bring up the fact that you are um, you just sent out your first care package.
0: Yes, we did. Uh, we decided. Uh, a few months ago that uh, all of the donations that we receive on Top 5 for Fighting, uh, 33% of them are going to go to um, care packages and support for deployed troops. We just uh, sent uh, three boxes of supplies to Task Force 7 overseas. Uh, she is actually uh, a lady that we know who is in the, the Navy. Uh, she stationed at MacDill Air Force Base here in Tampa, and they got sent overseas for a year in their little commissary store got shut down and they can't get their hands on laundry detergent and deodorant and stuff like that. So we, uh, we went out and we spent about $160 on, on uh, items for them and we mailed them off. Uh, If you guys would like to make donations, you can go to top five for fighting's donation page and make a one time or you can subscribe. Or if you just want to message us and and make one time donations, we, we all, if you make a donation, all the entire amount goes to the care packages. Our Patreon donors, we take 33% because we do have operating costs, and those that money also pays the operating costs for this show as well. Uh, we try, we, we're not making enough to cover it all, but it helps. But, um, you know, we just uh trying to give back to those people that are, I mean, I can tell you, so I've been deployed, and I don't know if I'd want to be deployed during a pandemic. I mean, at least I'm at home, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so. But uh, that, yeah, that was what we did. We were pretty excited about it. It kind of meshed with our one year anniversary over there. And um, that show was the reason this show happened. So I'm thankful for it.
1: All right. Okay. So um, you can find us on social media. We are at Honey Watch This on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well. Um, if you want to maybe rate and review us, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that allows you to rate and review, please do. Um, you can find me personally at T5FF underscore Angel on Twitter. I haven't been super active lately. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at marketing underscore angel. Craig where can they find you?
0: Uh, GBishop72. I'm typically... Um only thing I really say on there is making fun of politicians and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can also find me uh, uh, we uh, you know we're on top five for fighting uh, that stuff too but I'm not I'm not super active on social media because I don't lots of time I don't have the time. Uh, I've been more lately but um, I would also like to say that if you listen to any of these episodes just because you watch the you know you've seen the movie and you enjoy listening to us, go go pick some of the movies that you may not have seen. And and listen to the episode because that's kind of what we're doing here. We're branching out. Mm-hmm. You might not you might look at a movie like something like Rebecca or, you know, Ford Fairlane and go, Oh my god, I would never want to watch that piece of crap. That's kind of what we're doing here. And right. and if you enjoy listening to us talk about it, maybe it broads your horizons. You might yeah you might find a movie you, you didn't think you'd like.
1: Yeah, I Strongly feel that you don't have to necessarily like a movie to appreciate it. Um, you know, one of the things that always drives me
0: absolutely
1: baddie is that, um, you know, people don't want to watch a film because it's in black and white or you don't want to watch a film because it has um, subtitles um, or you know, in in my case, you know, I have a hesitation sometimes with the action movies and things like that. And even though I might walk away saying, "Well, I probably wouldn't watch that movie again," I can at least appreciate what you can appreciate about it. And that that's you know that's just the start of the conversations.
0: I can honestly buy not wanting to watch a movie with subtitles because what I find when I'm watching a movie with subtitles is I, I I'm having to read what what was going on and I miss stuff in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I, I can. I, I can get that one. Mm-hmm. the The black and white. I mean, I guess I'm not going to make fun of anybody that doesn't want to watch a movie in black and white simply because we both know that you know someone we both like a lot doesn't like black and white movies, but that's not a big deal. Right. So, I, I think I think that black and white movies have a stigma to them because the action isn't there right. because they didn't have that technology. And if you're really a fan of fast moving, lots of shit blowing up, um that type of movie, you're not going to catch that from a movie of the 40s or the 50s. It's just, and, and, and that's okay. You, mm-hmm. If you don't like it, you don't like it. All right. All right. Okay. Have a happy quarantine week, everybody, Have I guess.
1: we're quarantine and it's my birthday week. Yay! Yeah.
0: Be safe and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.